Jeremiah chapter 35, and I want to talk to you about a memorial under construction. I heard about a guy named John who had a serious memory issue, um, and one day he ran into his friend, and his friend Brian, and he said, hey, Brian, do you, you remember that bad memory I had when we were in school? And he said, yeah, of course I do. He's like, well, yeah, that's, not, that's no problem anymore. So me and my wife, we went, we went to a seminar, and uh, he's like, I'm, I'm totally great now. So I, I, I remember things now. I don't have any issues with that. He said, oh, really? They said, that's great. Uh, what's the name of the seminar? He's like, hang on just a second. My, my wife went with me. Let, let me ask her. And so he turned to his wife. And he turned back to Brian and said, hey, what, Brian, uh, what's the name of that flower with the long stem and the thorns and the red bud? He said, you mean a rose? He said, yeah, thanks. Hey, Rose, what was the name of that uh, <laughs> seminar we went to? People forget stuff, right? Okay, if you're an Awana worker, you know, all right? My Awana workers know I forget things. I'm, I, 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 don't have, I don't have a mind of an elephant, right? The memory, I, I don't know why they think elephants can remember things, right? But I can't, all right? I tell all my Awana workers, and I even told a couple of you today, in fact, where's Miss Vicky? Oh, she's upstairs, right? I told Miss Vicky, she said, oh, Brother Josh, I'm not going to be here on a certain Sunday. I said, write it down, and she did. All right, that's my phrase, write it down. Because if you don't write it down, you tell me something in the hallway, boom, it's gone. That's just the way my memory is. It's horrible. Okay, or say, send me an email. Send me something that's in written form so I don't forget. And maybe you're like that this morning. Well, you know, uh, our lives, we get busy, we forget things. But tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's Memorial Day, right? It's a day of remembering. This week in America honors our military men and women who died in protecting our nation and our freedoms. And God bless those, those men and women. This, na this, uh, this holiday is not really a celebration, though, right? It's a solemn memorial, okay? Many people seem to forget what Memorial Day is all about. You talk about forgetting. You know, there are a lot of people today that think Memorial Day is about, uh, you know, the picnic or the ball game or, or the first big day out on the lake, Right? But the reason for the holiday is so much more than all of that. It's a day to stop and honor and remember those who have given their lives so that we can have the picnic, so that we can go to the ball game, so that we can get that boat out on the lake, but without any fear. It's a day to remember those who have died for our freedom to assemble here this morning, as Pastor mentioned. You know, there are many Christians who meet all across the world today who, who live in fear of persecution, but because of the heroes that have died on our behalf to protect our religious freedoms, we can meet here, again, without fear. It's a day to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice to protect our freedom. It's a precious gift. It's to be treasured. Memorial Day is a solemn memorial. The fact that it's called Memorial Day gives us an indication of its importance. Yes, I know that it started out as Decoration Day, right? But it was changed on purpose. To remind us, a memorial is a remembrance to keep the memory of someone or something alive. And surely the men and women that have given their lives for our nations and our, for our nation, our freedom certainly deserve to be remembered. Amen. And as we pay tribute to them this weekend, 
to the American soldiers who gave their life in their final full measure of devotion. You know, we think about their memories and we honor their legacies. And I think it's a great occasion for you and I to take a look at our legacy, to take a look at what type of memorial we're building in our lives today. Because if I know anything, it's this, that you can't build a legacy after you die. Yep, now. This is when it happens. This is when you're building it. This is when you will determine what the generation that follows you learns and remembers and believes and cherishes. And we need to be careful. Alfred Nobel had the uh, dire, I don't know why I say, responsibility, the opportunity to read his own obituary one day, 1988. How would you like that? Open up the newspaper and there's your obituary. I'm like, wait a second, I don't... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm still alive. Well, it was actually his brother who had passed away, but an overzealous reporter failed to check the facts, go figure. And he wrote that the world saw Alfred Nobel as the inventor of dynamite, an armaments manufacturer, a merchant of death. And because of his unusual chance to see his own obituary and the way the world saw his life and his contributions to mankind, he resolved to make clear his desire for peace. Because, you know, he, he never invented dynamite, right? He invented dynamite. It's a big explosive thing, right? It was never his intention for it to be used against man. But it was, eventually. And so, throughout the rest of his life, he, he went through the trouble of making sure that his fortune, his inheritance was spent to honor the men and women who made scientific discoveries that helped with peace, that brought about peace. And thus we have the Nobel Peace Prize. Louis Pasteur, pioneer of uh, immune, immunology lived at a time when thousands of people died each year from, from rabies. And he had worked on, on for years on a, on a vaccine. And he was just about to start experimenting on himself. And a mother of a nine-year-old boy came to him. The little boy's name was Joseph Meister. And he was bitten by a rabid dog. And, and she begged him. She said, please, please. Use your experimentations on my son. It's his only chance. And so for 10 days, he injected him with these things he'd been experimenting with. And the boy lived. And several years, decades later, of all the things that he could have etched on his headstone, he asked for three words. Joseph Meister lived. That was his legacy. Truett Cathy, one of my, one of my heroes, founder of Chick-fil-A, Baptist and chicken. You can't, you can't beat it. You know what I'm saying? All right? Love Chick-fil-A. Love it and hate it. You know what I'm saying? Why? Close on Sundays. God bless them, but come on! That's the worst. Right, Jerry? It's the worst. He said this. Truett Cathy said this. If you wish to enrich days, plant flowers. If you wish to enrich years, plant trees. 
If you wish to enrich eternity, plant ideals in the lives of others. So he understood that we are building a memorial. We are building a legacy. And if we're going to have any hope of passing that down, then we need to make sure that we are taking those opportunities. In our text this morning, we're going to look at the sons of Jonadab. They were, they were a living memorial for their father. And if you'll look with me in Jeremiah chapter 35 and verse 1. The word which came into Jeremiah from the Lord in the day of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan. Skip down to verse 5. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots, of, of pots full of wine and cups. And I said to them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where ye be, be strangers. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us, to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we vineyards, nor field, nor, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed, and done according all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we ask, Lord, for you to open our understanding to your word. God, that you would speak through me and that you would help us to understand what it is that you might have to say to us from your word this morning. We love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonadab. Not a name you hear very often. Taught about, read about. You might have just breezed over it if you were doing a, maybe a daily Bible reading. But Jonadab did something. He had built a legacy that outlived him more than two centuries. His sons, his daughters, their sons and daughters, their sons and daughters, and their sons and daughters all obeyed his instructions, the things that he had commanded. And God used this as a testimony of, of this family as an indictment against the disobedience of Judah. Look with me at verse number 12. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the, uh, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction to hearken to my word, saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have hearkened not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after gods to serve them. And, and ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened unto me. Jonadab had a memorial that was well-pleasing well to God. And he used it to say, listen, you'll listen to a man 
But you won't obey me. The question I have for us this morning is, is this, is what kind of memorial should we seek to build? As followers of Christ, what type of memorial do you and I need that is going to make an impact on the generations that are coming after us? You might say, well, Josh, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. I don't have much time left. Well, you still have time left. Well, Josh, I don't even have a family yet. I don't need to think about that yet. Yes, you do. You need to think about it now. There are three things I want to talk to you about this morning. If you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast. Number one, we need to build a life that glorifies God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Every time I read that verse, I think about one man. His name is Chad Fallis, a good friend in ministry. Went off to start a church in 2010. A great friend, a great man. Always had a temperament that was even killed. Never got angry, never got super depressed. He was just a steady Eddie. If you've ever known one, you know what I'm talking about. Went off to start a church in 2010. Had two children, one on the way. Had, had one child and had one born just three months into this church plant. And four months into the church plant, got into an auto accident and God took his life. It was over. And we, many people were at that moment were tempted to say, why in the world would a man who went and gave his life to follow after God, to start a church, to make a difference, to go and tell people about Jesus Christ in another county, why would God take his life? You should have been at his funeral. The visitation line was four hours long. And his precious wife stood at his casket for eight hours until everybody went past. That man had impacted so many people in the 29 years that God gave him. He had a legacy. He had, he had a testimony, and so many people came to know the Lord, for better or worse, because of his death. Because it made us stop and realize what was really important. We need to let our light so shine. You know, a lot of believers say, well, Josh, I mean, you know, I hear what you're saying, but this world is so dark, it's not going to make a difference. Isn't that, isn't that what we tell ourselves? Man, our culture's so messed up, I might as well just keep my mouth shut. If the light doesn't shine, the darkness is going to grow. We've got to shine our lights. Turn to John chapter 15 with me. John chapter 15. Not only should we let our light shine, we also need to have a life that bears spiritual fruit. John chapter 15 verse 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be called my disciples. If we're going to have a life that glorifies God, we've got to shine our light in the darkness. We've also got to have some fruit. You can't, come, you can't just come in here and sit in rows and think that you're going to have a fruitful life. You've got to go out and do something with it. There's a, an evangelist named, named Kent York. And, he, boy, he was just out there sometimes. But he said something, and I'll never forget it. He said there are so many Christians that all they do is come to church, and they sit, they soak, and they sour. Isn't that what a sponge does in your sink? Well, I've picked that thing up a couple times and just wanted to chuck it in the trash can because it stinks so bad. 
It sits, it soaks, and then it begins to sour. How do you keep it from souring? You've got to squeeze that thing out, buddy. If you're not doing anything with what God's teaching you from week to week here at this church, here in your Bible study class at 10 a.m. on Wednesday nights when you come to Bible study and your personal devotions as you sit and, 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 and just be fed by the Holy Spirit through God's Word, you're going to start to sour. And it won't take long for that to show. We've got to have some fruit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Why? Because those are great things. God didn't have to say don't have joy because if you have joy, you're going to get messed up. That's a bad deal. You don't want joy. Self-control, that's out. No one, nope, don't have any of that because that, that is just downright evil. There's no laws against those things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what God does in you. Those are the things that bring about a memorial, a legacy of a life that glorifies God. Number two. Not only do we need to have a life that glorifies God, we also need to have a life that distinguishes from the temporal from the eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to turn there. Because as much as I like reading from a screen, sometimes I don't read it right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm just going to hit this and go. How often do we get obsessed with things that are, won't matter a day, a week, a month, a year from now? Man, we get so bogged down with stuff. Well, Josh, you don't understand. All right. Okay, I got a, you know, I got a wife and three kids. And I got, a, I got that big old house payment. And man, that lease on that on that car, man, that's just eating my biscuits. That's what you say in Tennessee. Sometimes we get so focused on stuff and the things of this culture and this life, we really miss out on what matters. And and right now, your kids—if you got kids, four-year-old through sixth grade—they're sitting up there right now, learning how to be content and to keep their focus on God. Why don't we do that? Why don't we keep our focus on God? Oh, that's good, Josh. You need to teach my kids that. They need them some contentment. Yeah. Try it on for size. See how it fits. There's an old, uh, an old, um, what's that genre of music? I hate that music. It's not country. No. Bluegrass. I don't hate it. It's just not, I, it's just not my favorite. I, I listened to a whole bunch of it when I was at my former church. That was, that was his, that was my former pastor's jam. He loved that. I, there was a song and I remember, you know what it said? It says, you can't take it with you when you go. It'll just be you and God. He's going to have his show. All your possessions will be left behind on earth. You've never seen a U-Haul pulled behind a hearse. 
If I'm wrong, tell me. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. A life that distinguishes the temporal from the eternal. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. Jesus is saying, he's on the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Lay, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth, moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and, nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We've got to contrast the essential with the non-essential. Do I want my child to be a Harvard grad or do I want my child to love the Lord? Do I want my kid to be the best on his team or do I want my child to love the Lord and serve God all of his days? Do I want my family financially well off or my family spiritually well off? Now here, I know what some of you are hearing right now. He hates, he, he hates Harvard grads, he hates money, and he hates sports for kids. <laughs> That's not what I said. I have nothing against an Harvard, a Harvard grad, especially if he loves the Lord. If he loves Jesus with all his heart. Go and get as many degrees as you want. I don't care. I'm not going to. All right? I'm done writing papers. All right? But if you can do it and glorify God, then do it. I love kids' sports. One day I hope that my daughter will play something. I don't know. I was never sporty. In high school, I lettered in music and choir. I never put that on a letterman jacket because I didn't want to get beat up. <laughs> Just keeping it real, I know. Okay. Made big friends on the football team just to ward those other guys off. I have no problem with being well off financially. But when it becomes your God, when you serve it, missionary Jim Elliott said this, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Are you building a memorial, a legacy that distinguishes the temporal from the eternal? Number three. A life, we need to build a life, a memorial that has a lasting influence on the next generation. As I mentioned earlier, Memorial Day started off as Decoration Day down in Mississippi to honor those Confederate soldiers that fell in the Civil War. But we could really go all the way back to our founding fathers. Couldn't we? Those men who got into a room whose actions were marked as criminal and came up with the Declaration of Independence. Do you know that the purchase of our freedom came with a high price tag? Of the 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two were, sons were captured. Nine of the men fought and died from wounds of hardship in the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and, and, uh, and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and his properties to pay his debts, and he died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home. 
for his headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered George Washington to open fire on his own home. The home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was, uh, uh, was driven from his wife's side as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields were destroyed. For over a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home only to find his wife had died and his children had vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion. 7,200 Americans were killed in battle during the war. 3,200 were wounded. 10,000 died from disease and exposure. Nearly 3,000 men at Valley Forge. Uh, an additional 6,500 died in prison after being captured, and 1,400 soldiers were listed as missing. There was a high price for our freedom. Make no mistake about that. But it wasn't just to purchase it. There's a high price to maintain our freedom as well. Those who served in our military during World War I and II, the Pearl Harbor, the Doolittle Raid of 1942, the, the beaches of Normandy, there's been Pusan and, and Pork Chop Hill, Da Nang, Saigon, Mekong Delta, Desert Storm, Afghanistan, Iraq, and then the ongoing war on terrorism. All throughout the pages of American history, the blood of Americans has been spilt to, pre to preserve our freedoms. A high price. They paid the supreme sacrifice. And that's why it's important that we not take our freedom for granted. It was purchased. It was maintained at a very high price. And we need to treasure it. We need to treat it as a precious gift. So what? So what if our, if our government is a wreck? Pray for them. Quit belly aching about it. Shine your light and pray for them. I'm pointing in the right direction, ain't I? Every life represented in, those, in these battles and others, their documents, their lives, their sacred honor, it has influenced and it has changed the lives and will continue to change the lives of many generations to come. I'm thankful even for those who have died but are not known but to God. Look back in our text one last time, and then I'm done. Jeremiah chapter 35 and verse 5. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. Verse number 6. But they said, We will, not, we, we will drink no wine, for Jonadab the son of Rechab our father commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever. What a lasting impact Jonadab made. What a legacy he built. You know, I don't, I don't want my legacy to be just a bunch of funny stories, good memories. I want to shape the lives of those that come before, that come after me, just like Jonadab did. I want my kids to make better financial decisions than I did from the get-go. I want my kids and someday my grandkids to follow the Lord better than I did. I want to have such an influence over those who come after me that they say two, three, and if the Lord tarries his coming, four and five generations to come, 
I will serve the Lord because my father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, Josh Dobler, said this is what we should be doing. Isn't that what Paul said? As you have seen and heard and learned of me, do it! We need to do that. You can't build your legacy after you're gone. You're building it now. So what are you building as your memorial? We're paying tribute to those who have given their lives this weekend. Have given the, the ultimate sacrifice in the defense of our freedoms. And, and we think of their memories and their legacies. But what an occasion to think of the legacy you're building. Right now. Whether you have children or not. Whether you're at the beginning of your family or nearing the end. What legacy are you building and going to leave for those that come behind you? Nicole Nordeman wrote a song, and I close with this. She said this, the lyrics say, I want to leave a legacy. How will they remember me? Did I choose to love? Did I point to you enough to make a mark on things? I want to leave an offering a child of mercy and grace who bless your name unapologetically and leave that kind of legacy.